0: what the pandemic did was like i better use my virtual tour now and and you've seen many domains you know go full tilt where they there if you don't have a a virtual tour you're you're not even on page one anymore
1: hello and welcome to sink or swim a weekly podcast brought to you by rentsync where we take a deep dive into the prop tech multifamily, and rental housing industry in each episode we uncover the technologies and strategies used to help overcome operational challenges and increase the value of your multifamily investments. So let's get into our conversation today.
2: Welcome back to Sink or Swim. I'm Mitch Fanning with RentSync. And today is a special episode because we're going to be discussing the Rental.ca's Third Annual Rental Market Predictions Report, which was authored by Paul Dannison in, back in February. And to help me do that, of course, I've got Paul along with four other rental market experts across Canada. So welcome everyone. And before we kind of get into the conversation, let's start with some brief introductions and I'll get everyone to kind of introduce themselves. And I'm gonna start with Andy from Urban Analytics.
3: Hi, thank you so much for having me today, Mitch. Uh, My name is Andy Daggett and I work with Urban Analytics. I'm the Vice President of Sales and Client Experience. Um, Urban Analytics is a market research and advisory firm and we specialize in the new multi-family home residential markets in Metro Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, and most recently in the GTA in Ontario.
2: Perfect. Thanks, Andy. Next, we have Paul from Rentals.ca.
4: Thanks, Mitch. I'm Paul Danison, content director for Rentals.ca. I have been a longtime journalist, reporter, editor, and now uh, converted to working for my son's company, Rentals.ca.
2: Perfect. And moving across the uh, screen, I've got Matt Danison from Rentals as well.
5: Thanks, Mitch. My name is Matt Danison, CEO of Rentals.ca. Rentals.ca is a marketplace focused on building the best rental search experience in Canada. Our team focuses on exceptional design, speed, and convenience to make the difficult process of searching for a rental home much easier.
2: Perfect. And next to Matt is uh, is Ben Ben Myers.
6: Thanks for having me on the uh, on the podcast. I am the president of Bullpen Research and Consulting. I'm actually a special market advisor for Baker Real Estate as well. But on the Bullpen side, we are we are a kind of a boutique. Uh, residential consultancy firm that uh, works in southwestern Ontario and I it, write the national rent report for rentals.ca so it's been a great partnership that we've
2: had over the last couple of years perfect and last but certainly not least uh, is Pierre Pierre
0: Hey there, everyone. Uh, Thanks for having me, Mitch. Pierre with Local Logic. I'm the EVP of growth here. What we do is we quantify location across North America, the US and Canada. And we provide tools that approximately, like for example, in Canada, 80% of the real estate portals here in Canada use our data. And it really gives us a good understanding of what people care about when they're searching for a home, be it for rent or for sale. And uh, excited to be here.
2: Perfect. And obviously some of that data was in the report. So yeah. We'll dig into that in just about five minutes or so. Uh, so, obviously, for the report Rentals.ca, they interviewed twenty-six uh, experts across Canada. So it was a very extensive report. And if people listening haven't read it yet, you know, we'll put it in the show notes, and and I and I implore people to to take a look at it. But my actually my first question is to Paul. Paul, how long does a report like this actually take to produce? Well, it's
4: about a two-month process. Uh, as you said, this is the third annual, and when we first started out with this, we looked around, we saw reports that were done out there, but it was basically the opinion of like one person. So our idea was to get uh, data analysts, economists, housing uh, data people to give us their opinions, give us what uh, what's really going on in on the rental market in each certain area of the country. So we set out to do that, and we have, uh, like you said, we interviewed Twenty-six. We talked to twenty-six people, got their perspectives and insights on the rental market for twenty twenty-one.
2: Yeah. Again, it it covered right across Canada. A lot of different experts from different kind of parts of the of the industry. So it was it was great to see. I guess my my kind of my my next question, and Paul, I'll, I'll kind of point to you again. You know, when I read it, you know, what were some of the biggest differences that you noticed? Uh, as you maybe you are you were writing this between 2020 and 2021, or maybe you know what were the biggest takeaways?
4: Well, COVID happened, and that just yep. changed everything. We were projecting rent increases, tight, continued tight uh, vacancies in a lot of the metro areas, and all of a sudden now we're talking about working from home, and the smaller surrounding cities are have higher rents because people are coming out of the city, the largest cities, metro areas. So that's a couple of things. Ben, what's your take?
6: Yeah, it's interesting putting together, obviously, this this report this time around, you know, the, the market has, has fundamentally changed, you know, in, in 2019, rents were going up five, six, seven percent, you know, on an annual basis, uh, countrywide, obviously driven by Vancouver, yeah, you know, the GTA and, and the Montreal CMA areas, uh, just huge growth in, in those areas. And then Obviously, COVID happened. the The borders were shut down. We weren't getting the level of, of immigration in the marketplace. Students uh, were not going to uh, to in-class education, so they were staying with mom and dad, or they're staying in their their university towns. Uh, people weren't starting jobs in you know the downtown cores of many of these markets. You know, some people became scared of living in, a, in apartments and and started uh, looking for for single family properties and markets outside of, of the core to get away from other people. So it's really, we've never seen, uh, you know, this type of shakeup up in, in a single 12 months in the, in the history of the, of the Canadian rental market. So certainly, so many different factors uh, impacting the market and, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, uh, Paul did a fantastic job trying to go out and seeing some of those different factors that are impacting different markets across the country.
2: Now you both, when I asked that question, you both went to, to rent rates. And so let's, let's start there and, you know, in the report and, uh, you know, we, you know, there was a a prediction that rent rates would obviously as a result of COVID would naturally go a little bit lower in the first four to five months, but you know, potentially rebound about 3%, maybe nationwide towards the end of the year. Now, I just happened to kind of go onto the uh, rentals.ca March rent report and looked like rents had almost stabilized March versus September. So I guess my question is, and I'll I'll ask Ben, I'll ask you this this question specifically. Do you think we've hit the bottom? Do you think maybe it's come early and we're not going to have to see the fourth or fifth month play out?
6: Yeah, it's, it's always hard to tell if, if we've seen an increase, a fundamental longer-term increase in demand or was just the short-term spring market. Obviously, the spring, the rents really pick up in, in the marketplace. So it's a little bit harder to tell. And obviously, the rentals.ca information is asking rents; It's not the actual rents paid. So because rentals.ca keeps onboarding all these new uh, landlords and especially newly completed rental apartment buildings. So they'll, they'll add 200, 250 new units onto a, a single market. So it can't have the type of uh, month over month fluctuation. So it's really hard to say if this is the bottom, we may see flat rents, I think, until the, till the middle of the year. But I think when the vaccinations uh, ramp up with seems to be happening right now, we'll start to see people looking to get back to normal and, and people trying to time the market, right? They, yep. they get at the very lowest point. I think we're starting to get to that, that point where people are saying, well, this might be the lowest point that I'm ever going to see these rental rates. So if I'm going to make a move, I better do it right now.
2: No, exactly. I wish I was uh, back in my twenties renting an apartment. So Andy, you know, I'm, I'm going to ask you kind of the same question. Uh, you're out in Western Canada, you know, what are you seeing?
3: Yeah, so same thing as Ben was saying, you know, rents have definitely stayed pretty low. There's a ton of competition, especially in Alberta's market. We've we've seen a ton of new supply come to the market over the past two years. For example, in Edmonton, just over the last two quarters, Over 18 buildings launched, um, so in the fourth quarter of 2020 and the first quarter of 2021. So that's a lot of product to come onto the market in in a six-month time period, also during periods of the year that historically do have slower absorption rates. So we have seen those rents kind of stay pretty low to incentivize renters to rent. As Ben was saying, though, as vaccinations do roll out, ideally, these buildings will be able to hit a period where they can raise those rents. Another thing that we're optimistic about is students going back to university. So the University of Calgary has already pitched a statement saying that students should prepare to go back to in-class learning in September, which is great to hear uh, for the city. And hopefully that will spur some more immigration, which will, of course, help that rental market, especially those buildings that do surround those universities. They definitely, you know, did take a hit without those students renting there. So Hopefully that will also spur a little bit more activity, and then we can start to see the rents creep up a little bit more back towards at least more market rents rather than these lower rents that we've been seeing for the past year.
2: Now we we can't uh, leave a conversation about rent rates without talking about the crazy incentives that we've <laughs> been seeing uh, in this market. Yeah. Uh, and so, Andy, I'm going to stay with you. Uh, obviously, rental demand has been the strongest in the secondary markets, and and RentSync's data has uh, seen that as well. Obviously many cities, in the, specifically uh, those in the primary markets are seeing that rapid decrease like we've talked about. And so as a result, landlords have had to increase incentives to, to entice uh, prospective tenants. What are you seeing out there? Like, you know, Can you give any crazy examples of what we're seeing out there? And, uh, and, and also too, as a follow-up, you know, are these incentives here to stay?
3: That's a great question. So yeah, incentives have been a hot topic throughout 2020. As a renter, it has, it's really been a renter's market. Um, You're basically able to in Calgary, especially in the Beltline, you're able to basically just hop between building to building and negotiate with all of the landlords and the property managers to get the best rent and the best incentive because they all have vacancy. So it is very competitive. So the incentives that we've been seeing in Calgary and Edmonton throughout 2020 were aggressively two to three months free rent on a 12 month lease. So we also track net rents at Urban Analytics. So we do factor those rents into our research, um, or sorry, we factor those incentives into our rental rate research. So the rents that we report on are those net rents. So that's why we really did see those decreases is because the incentives were factored in. So when you're putting in two to three months free rent, it really does, it takes, you know, a $1,400 unit down to almost a $1,000 a month Mm -hmm. unit. And we are still seeing that in Calgary's market with these really low rents. And it's not just the new buildings that are launching, you know, 250 plus units that are trying to get that absorption. They're trying to get renters in the door. We're seeing buildings that have been fully stabilized since, you know, 2017, 2018, offering incentives as well on their, turned over uh older units. They're having to remain competitive. So we're seeing these incentives across the board. It's uh, you know, not specific buildings. It's basically almost every building, especially in areas where we have seen quite a bit of new supply come on. So the downtown cores of both Edmonton and Calgary are all basically all the buildings are are offering incentives. And then we've also seen this kind of have an effect on the inner submarket areas as well. So buildings that are, you know, wouldn't be, you know, you couldn't walk to your office if we were working from our offices. Right. These buildings are, you know, transit oriented, but still, a, a, you know, a good 10 minute drive from the downtown mm-hmm. core. They're actually competing with those downtown core buildings because of the aggressive incentives that those downtown buildings are offering. Um, so they're finding, you know, when they originally launched these buildings that they were only competing with suburban locations. And now they're competing with these high rise amenity-rich buildings. So it has made the entire market very competitive. So the the majority of incentives we've seen are those rental rate incentives. So offering a few months free. We also have seen free parking for, you know, maybe six months or maybe the year or just reduced parking rents. And then also obviously the us incentive is always offered all the time. Nothing, I wouldn't say nothing too creative though. Like it's all, basically all the developers are just offering that, Rental rate incentive for the most part, as you know, lots of renters are either coming out of university, they lost their job, and it really is the the budget for them. They're very budget oriented. So if you're throwing in, you know, more creative incentives that might not stick with the market in Calgary and Edmonton, because our biggest struggle is that a lot of these people renting don't have jobs, took a salary cut. Have job loss risk, and so they're really looking just for the bottom line, trying to get that monthly rental rate down. So that's what the developers are offering for them right now.
2: Sure. So speaking of creative incentives, Paul, I'm going to direct this one to you. I recall when we were we had our prep call, you mentioned that there was some some interesting ones that you've you've seen. Do you want to kind of speak to those?
4: Yeah, uh, we're seeing a lot of the same incentives that Andy talked about, but uh, recently they're getting a little more creative. Besides cashback and free utilities and free Wi-Fi and all that, there's a landlord in Montreal offering a lifetime experience of like plus the two months rent. You would get a tandem skydive experience or a free helicopter ride. And that was in Montreal. In Toronto, they're offering a free fully stocked wine fridge. I think I'm up for that one. (laughs)
3: <laughs> Same here.
2: Absolutely. So let's kind of switch gears now, uh, and Pierre, I'm gonna I'm gonna come to you. Obviously, COVID has changed behaviors, uh, and specifically renter behavior. Uh, now, to to capture the changes in in renter lifestyle preferences as a result of the pandemic, Local Logic compared the first quarter of 2020 uh, versus the fourth quarter of 2020. So Pierre, like, what was the result of that analysis uh, that, that you came up with?
0: Yeah. I mean, the biggest difference is, and I just want to, you know, caveat this, the top three things didn't change, what changed was their order. Right. And so specifically it was public transportation and grocery stores. Well, like, you know, uh, and schools, those are the top three things that people, you know, care about when searching for a place. We track about 17, depending on the market yeah. and, and, and those top three, there was basically a, a swap. Between grocery stores and public transportation, which was which was super interesting, you know, and obviously clear about what's happening in the market, still retained top three status, but it was a big drop in terms of like percentage, you know, like it, it went down about I think twenty four percent, you know, you know, comparatively. So so it's one of those things where I, I think the long term vision of this is like there's a certain set of workers that don't need to transport pub, you know, th- th- that don't need public transport. Right. There's a certain set of workers that don't need public transport. They, they know that I'm, I'm one of them. I'm one of those people who did actually take public transport on a regular basis. And now I will never have to, again, done (laughs) and, and it's by choice now. Right. Like I I don't have to go into my office anymore, but the the problem is most jobs don't have that flexibility yet. So, so I think that's why we're seeing it still stay as a top three thing, but for a certain, you, you know, you know, kinds of workers, they now have gone with, Hey, you know what, I need to be closer to grocery stores. That was always the top three. Now it's a number one and it's just, you know, it was, I mean, I can't tell you during the pandemic, how a painful it was to go to the grocery store, but you also wanted to go quickly and get back. <laughs> right. You didn't want, and, and so it became so clear, like, oh, thank God I chose where I live and thank God I made the, that, those decisions <laughs> like when I picked this place, cause. I, you know, had I optimized solely for public transportation, I would have been in a really bad spot. And I think that's the thing that people sort of realized is you need to optimize for like your lifestyle, as much as your, your needs to get to work.
2: Now, do you think that order has kind of almost codified and is going to remain almost permanent, or do you think it's going <laughs> to go back and forth?
0: It's tough. I mean, you look you're, like you heard what Andy just shared, right? I'm, I'm certain that those 18 buildings that went up in Vancouver were all around transit. Right. Like, you know, and and uh, and at the end of the day, like, you know, you know, many jobs still require people to go into the office. I think that's obviously something that but we can see that being a trend that, you know, long term, I think, is not the reality. And so, you know, but people also still don't want to have, you, you know, it's, it's going to be here, it's going to be real, but I think the transport, you know, people still want transit. And, and I think once the vaccinations go out, once people feel comfortable being out and about, like, I will take the train again, I'm not going to until we're all vaccinated, but I will take the train again. And I won't drive into the city, you know, once or twice a month, I will actually take the train in once I feel that it's safe to. And I think at that moment, I think people will, will be way more willing to ride transit and will now reprioritize it again, you know, at that time.
2: Sure, and so uh, I'm gonna turn to Matt. On the flip side, you know, on on Rentals.ca, have you noticed any differences in in search behavior as a result of of uh, kind of what we've kind of gone through?
5: Yes, I think the biggest thing is people are looking for bigger spaces, uh, you know, to set up uh, their office, and they can find that one thing that we've saw the Rentals.ca the search volume substantially increase for cities outside the big metros, such as Saint St. Catharines, uh, for example, or Guelph and Waterloo. And that can that continues to be true. So I think going forward, we're still going to see that a lot of folks are are realizing, you know, what Pierre touched on, that they don't have to do the long commute downtown anymore, that they could find a bigger space to live for possibly the the same prices they're they're paying in downtown or even cheaper. So that's the biggest thing takeaway that we've you know continue to see is this a search volume outside the big metros that again I think um, is going to hold true into 2022.
1: Like what you hear so far, make sure you never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. Now let's get back to the show.
2: So I'm gonna you know switch gears a little bit and I'll stick with you, Matt, on this. You know, we just kind of went through renter behavior, but obviously landlord behavior has changed as well. And you know, we we obviously have seen virtual tours, three D tours, and really other digital transactions becoming kind of bigger as a result of COVID, and and really becoming more common in in, in the rent renting process. Again, it you know not to sound like a broken record, but is, is this kind of a, a trend or is this something that we feel is going to, you know, is going to be here to stay? And, you know, is, is the leasing agent, a thing of the past?
5: No, the leasing agent will always have a, a, a role and it's just going to be a little bit different and they're going to, you know, we've seen it during the pandemic where the leasing office were, offices were, were, you know, put on pause for, for a lot of, you know, the main chunk of uh, last year and, and this year so that's going to continue What that, what that forced lease agents to do is quickly learn different technologies and 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 tools to, you know, essentially virtually show departments through the 3d tours and you know, whether it be FaceTime or other, other platforms, uh, that's, was a, a bit, you know, a big change for a lot of lease agents, they had to get really quickly up to date on all the different ways to add transparency to the search experience when someone couldn't come and visit apartment and have that face-to-face interaction. So I think, you know, 3D tours have been around for quite some time, but definitely the pandemic has really brought those, you know, up as far as the main tool to show apartment nowadays. And so we, you know, for example, just some interesting stats that that to share that last year, we ran a survey uh, around May and, and June of 2020 after when the pandemic, you know, hit, And we, we got feedback from 16,000 renters across 181 cities in Canada. And we, one of the questions we asked was, would you sign a lease without actually seeing it in person, if you had the opportunity to, you know, see it through a virtual tour and 37.7% said yes, they would, which I thought was pretty, pretty remarkable that's, you know, people now are, these 3D tours are, are, you know, so transparent, so, so good that they're able to see if there's mold on the ceiling or really like in it, like really every little aspect of the apartment. And so they are confident enough to sign a lease without, without actually seeing it. Again, that's, that's pretty remarkable. And another 42% said, hey, they, they would really want to use a 3D tour to narrow down their choices quickly. And That just is a game changer and it saves so much time trying you know even even post pandemic going downtown trying to find parking paying for parking showing up to the place realizing that you know there's one aspect of the the you know the kitchen that they didn't like that wasn't shown in the photos and you know waste everyone's time so i think this is a, a huge time saver and it's going to be something that it's just kind of becomes a standard and that's the biggest thing that we've seen at rentals.CA and working with our clients is that they have really stepped up their their game is trying to provide as much photos and 3d tours and more just you know description and within their um, within what the with what the rental looks like and details of the surrounding community those that's so important to the renter when they're not really able to to be there in person so, that's going to, that's going to really be a thing going forward is trying to add as much details as possible to the listing to give that renter a chance to fully understand what it's like to live there and the experience of the community. And again, that's, that's, that's key to attract renters and add confidence to the renter and trust as well.
2: Yeah. It's almost for better, for worse, uh, has forced the, um, the landlord or the the property management firm to be a little bit more transparent in you know with their their digital uh, appearance as a result of that. I'm going to yeah. open up the question to the floor to see if there's anyone else who wants to comment.
3: I was just going to add to that as well, just with the transparency. Um, doing our research uh, at Urban Analytics, we do all primary research, so we contact either the leasing staff directly. Sales staff or the developers directly for all the research we do conduct. However, we are obviously on a lot of these project websites as well, checking their websites, checking to see. Especially for new project launches, just trying to get that preliminary information that we can without having to bother <laughs> our contacts too much. And we found actually a lot more transparency on websites, showing available units, showing those 3D tours, a lot more photos, a lot more interactions. So those chat boxes on, you know, developers' web pages that we've never seen that before offered on their projects, especially on the I know we're focusing on rental projects, but. The multifamily for sale condos out of things. Uh, we found a lot of developers throwing their whole site plans on their websites, blocking off any units that are sold and showing what's available, just to really have that available for potential buyers and as well as renters as well. To just again save a lot of time and you know they know that people are doing a lot of their research for buying a home or for renting online on their computers. And so if you want an advantage, you do have to have. A lot of your information available at their fingertips um, because you're not getting that walk by traffic that we used to see in the market. So yeah, the transparency thing has been huge.
2: Couldn't agree more.
5: Yeah, I want to add one one thing really quick on the landlords that you know it's it's great if you have a lot of space, but if you're a landlord, I think there's a lot of landlords that own a small condo downtown. Those have been pretty popular the last few years, right? And so if you're a landlord that doesn't have that much space to offer, and a lot of renters are looking for more space, you're in a tough spot, right? So I think if you you got to be creative, if, if you own a space that isn't that large and that's not as attractive in today. So I think landlords, what they could do is think about ways to make that small space exceptional living experience and, and try different things. I mean, understand what's going on, where people are spending their time. So a lot of renters and, and people in general spend a lot of time uh, watching movies and and uh, they're indoors all day long, right? So Disney Plus and Netflix—they're—they're they're watching. Uh, they're streaming a lot of um, content and videos. So possibly, if you have a small space, maybe put in a movie projector. Costs maybe 000, it a thousand dollars, but it's—it makes that experience pretty exceptional. And I really haven't seen landlords, you know, go about offering things that some have, it's been pretty great, but just, just ask good questions to like, understand and ask your renters in general, like, Hey, how can we make this small space really great for your living experience? We know it's tough because you know, you have a family and you're trying to work from home, but possibly if, if you can't do it in their space and you own the building, then put in phone booths, you know, coworkers, co-working places have those phone booths for you to go down. So if you have kids running around and it's loud and noisy and you have important meeting coming up. You know, you could walk downstairs and, and turn that, you know, turn amenity that's not being used uh, into a room full of phone booths where someone could go in and plug in for an hour and have really, you know, their their important phone calls and, and then come back up to their, their their space with their family.
2: That's a good point. Pierre, I think you had something you want to add?
0: Yeah, I was just to say, you know, the real thing that happened here is all this technology has already been here, right? And and the issue is that, you know, COVID and the pandemic really forced adoption, you know, across the industry, right? You know, you talk to any of these, we, we work with many uh, brokerages and product managers and websites in the U.S. and Canada. And a lot of this is stuff that they already had, just the adoption was like 10% or less. And, and what the pandemic did was like, holy crap, I better use my virtual tour now and and you've seen uh, many domains you know go full tilt where they there. if you don't have a, a virtual tour, you're, you're not even on page one anymore right And so the expectation now from the consumer on the search side is that they're going to get a, a more immersive experience and then on the transaction side that they can do it all as much as possible without having to step into an office. And then you know the piece in be- in, like in between here is, removing indecision, right? The biggest problem is that real estate's about location, right so so back to Matt and I think Andy's point, right you know a lot of these developers are seeing and this is true, this is what we do is the need for this location aspect being digitized. Like how do you express what it's like to to live here? Okay, so you understand the apartment now, you got a virtual tour, you got photos, but at the end of the day I have to live there, so what's around? And that's where like our adoption over the last year of the pandemic has been tremendous because we're answering the question of like, what's mm-hmm. around this place? And, uh, and so people can remove that indecision and they can now find that place and make that call digitally. And then book you know that showing or or you know that digital sh- that that virtual showing and then sign that lease
2: yeah it's yeah. something you know i've said you know in, in previous podcast episodes it's really all all the po- uh the pandemic has done is it's forced owner operators landlords to do the things that they should have been doing all along it's just they had to just kind of accelerate that so any other comments before we kind of move on
3: I was just also going to touch on the kind of experience of the building, something that I found a lot of the buildings or some buildings that are successful in Calgary are doing is really capitalizing on the fact that many people are, you know, on their phones or like Matt said, watching Netflix and kind of a lot. We're obviously much more screen oriented than we were before, which is shocking given that we were very screen oriented even before COVID. So it's kind of sad, but some buildings are capitalizing on that by really marketing through their Instagram pages. Um, for instance, there's a building in the Beltline in Calgary, Park Central. And I actually just, I'm on a bit of a Instagram cleanse right now. But um, when I was on Instagram, uh, I do follow there. I follow basically all the buildings uh, just to see what's what's going on. And they did a really great job, especially during uh, intense lockdowns in Calgary, where if you were living at Park Central, and of course, if you had a public account, if you posted a story like Day in the Life at Park Central, you know, their morning routine or the view from their unit or, you know, them at the amenity that they could use appropriately during COVID uh, lockdown times, the building would repost that onto their story so that if you were somebody just living in the city and you followed the Park Central account, you could see how the people in Park Central are living, which I think is a great tool to really get people to want to live in your building. Um, As Pierre was saying, you know, having that, being able to see the experience without actually going to visit the building or actually living there, you're able to see it on your phone through your social media to see what it would be like, which can obviously really influence renters' decisions on, on where they live. So I found that was a really creative way to Attract new renters is just really capitalizing on the Instagram look of
2: their building. Couldn't agree more, Ben. Mm-hmm. Did you? Uh, did you have a comment there?
6: Yeah, no, the only thing I was gonna say is is. If developers aren't being transparent or, or landlords aren't being transparent, they're just going to lose out at, at, at this point in time. And and even during COVID, they're actually being irresponsible. All right, if you're not putting the the amount of information to describe your your project in your area, and someone's coming to view that unit or going out of their house uh, when they normally wouldn't have because they would have had all the information, you're actually doing a disservice to to your own economy, your own—you uh, know—you could be increasing the, the the spread of this of this virus by encouraging people to go out. So uh, I think if you're you're not putting something on your Rentals.ca listings. It's it's like you're hiding something. So I, I certainly encourage everyone to be as as forthcoming as possible, and 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 not try to trick people into coming to your building, or try to use the magic of your 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 sales agent, your leasing agent, to get someone to to come. But give them all the tools uh, and make them be uh, make an informed decision, so they're not going online after to complain about you and, and hurting your reputation.
3: Yeah, it's really a, it's really forced the industry in that way. Obviously, the real estate industry has had a a history of being very secretive, you know, nobody, nobody really wanting to share their information with anyone. Developers kind of talking behind the scenes to one another, but you really don't know if they're telling you the truth. So COVID's really forced these developers to have to be transparent and just kind of put the pride away and just say, okay, maybe, you know, another developer is going to look on my site and see what's going on, but it doesn't matter to me. I'd rather my potential buyers or renters see what's happening to be successful. So I think it's forcing that kind of mentality out of the industry, which at the end of the day, I think benefits everyone involved. So it's a good kind of uh, new trend to come to the real estate industry.
2: So as we, as we come to a, a smooth landing, when we look ahead, I want to kind of get your, your, your final thoughts. And I guess the, the, the question is, you know, what's ahead for the rest of this year? And I'm also gonna add a a follow-up question to that. It's actually a question that I use in my quick fire round is, as a result of COVID, what have you changed your mind about lately? So I'm gonna start with with Andy. Uh, Andy, the question is, you know, what's ahead for the rest of 2021 and what have you changed your mind about lately?
3: <laughs> Great questions. You actually asked a kind of part of this question when we are talking about incentives and I realized I didn't quite answer it, but it was about whether or not incentives are going to stick around. And so that's part of my answer for what will happen in 2021, especially in Alberta. It's very difficult to get rid of those rental rate incentives. Let's say if you've basically dropped somebody's rent around $200 a month and then their lease comes up for renewal and you've taken that incentive away, you're risking turnover for sure. Lots of people probably wouldn't be able to afford that. So the rental rate incentives are probably going to stay for a little while longer. I mean, we've seen rental rate incentives in Alberta since 2016. <laughs> they really haven't gone away, and that's a function of obviously our economy yeah. and, and all the other uh things and, and struggles we've had to we've had to get through here. So I do believe that incentives will remain. Um, I think that we were also touching on larger spaces. Matt was saying larger spaces or functional spaces. We are seeing some buildings come up in Calgary that are gonna offer, you know, larger floor plans or just more functional spaces so offering more of the one plus den to have that office space there for you i think that will continue into 2021 and then what have i changed my mind on i guess i used to be very pro well, i still am i still think amenities are very important i'm going to touch on amenities but i used to think you know you need a lot of amenities to attract these renters because all these buildings have all these amenities you you really can't launch a beltline project without at least a gym and a social area. You're just, you know, why you're competing with Park Central that has a rooftop pool and golf simulators and all these other things. You're just not going to you're not going to attract those renters. But my opinion has changed a little bit where I see, you know, because of covid, a lot of those amenity spaces have had to shut down or just not operate in the same capacity as they were prior to covid. And a lot of these buildings are charging premium for those amenities. And so why would you pay that if you're not getting access to that amenity. I mean, I live in a condo building, an investor-owned unit. And so already I'm living in a little bit more of an affordable part of the rental market than the purpose-built rental. But my gym and my building has been closed the whole time I've lived here. (laughs) It has never been open. And if I was paying a premium for that, I would be pretty upset. And I would look into moving to more of a suburban area where there may be might be no amenities in my building, but at least I'm not paying for something I can't use. At least my rent is going towards exactly what I'm paying for. So I do think that some one thing that I kind of changed my mind on is just the importance of all these amenities. I think it's more important to be selective with them. And I think one thing I was going to touch on earlier, uh, when we were talking about kind of developers are looking at their spaces now and offering more functional or bigger space is offering more outdoor amenities so rooftop patios barbecue spaces making sure like some buildings don't even have balconies on some of the units and i think we're learning now that you know the importance of being able to go outside with your friends i mean i don't know about you but obviously a lot of us aren't comfortable or aren't allowed to have people inside of our homes but we're allowed to see people outside and if you don't have kind of a social space to do that in your building, I mean, you go to a park, and all the parks are packed because everyone's at the park because that's all you can do. So it would be nice to just have that private, either a larger balcony off of your unit where you can have a you know little fire table or something like that, or the outdoor patio spaces where you can have some friends over and still feel safe and still enjoy some social gatherings. So I do think that more creativity with those amenity spaces and not just plopping a gym in and doing all that, that basic kind of stuff. I think that will happen in 2021 as well.
2: Speaking of creativity and gyms, personally, I can't live without my Peloton anymore. So (laughs) if if developers are looking at gyms, they may want to actually go maybe the other route and just give everyone a Peloton in their, in their.
3: Totally. Um, Yeah. Like, or a rental service where you could rent the Peloton for a month or rent one of those workout mirrors or something. I think that might be an interesting trend as well.
2: Yeah, exactly. So I'm going to, same question, Paul, what's ahead uh, for the rest of 2021 and what have you changed your mind about lately?
4: Basically with shots in arms in summer coming, I think people are going to uh, not only be coming outside, but I think they're going to come back to the downtown. Maybe not quickly, but I think the downtowns are going to come back and the smaller units will once again become popular. And I think it's, A good time for renters between now and the summer probably to pick up one of those units. And what I've changed my mind on personally is I could never binge anything before with when it came to streaming. (laughs) I'm I'm just too ADHD. But uh, since I've had to stay in, and there's good programs like uh, Mandalorian and WandaVision, I've become a binge watcher. Yeah, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Mandalorian is great. There you go. (laughs) I've joined the younger generation there.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, the F one uh series just started on Netflix, so I've been uh doing a bit of binge, watch, binge watching uh late at night. Great, great, uh great response. Matt, same question.
5: I think moving forward for the rest of the year, um, you know, it's gonna take again a little little longer to get all the shots in the arms and um things in a good place, but I think we're gonna, you know, touching on what a few people touched on earlier. Incentives are going to continue to get more wild and and creative, and possibly unique experiences. Even it'd be really nice to see some landlords offering maybe matching a month's rent with a rent that goes to the frontline workers or charity of their choice. Be kind of different different take on it. And then as far as a personal kind of item that I've changed my thinking on a little bit is this consumption. I've been more aware of consumption overall, as far as, you know, ordering delivery. And so when you think about when you ordered, you know, delivery, it's so convenient and we've gotten used to convenience, which is, which is great. But at the same time, you know, also think about, you know, every single delivery that you get, do you really need those plastic spoons involved into it? You have spoons and, 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 you know, silverware at home. So I saw something for the first time yesterday when I was ordering something for pickup and it said, had gave me the option to not include napkins and, and, uh, plastic, you know, or forks and utensils.
2: I can't wait to personally to actually eat in i uh, I'm dreaming about that day.
5: And really quick, Mitch, sorry. Uh, the uh, the other one, as far as just on the business <laughs> front is that, that I've changed my mind about has been working remotely. So, I didn't think it was going to, you know, I was very hesitant and, and, you know, I loved the office space and and jiving with everyone and, you know, uh, working things out on the whiteboard. And and we had, you know, offices in Montreal, Toronto and Ottawa. And that was a scary thing going into this where w- would it work? And I had some doubts about working remotely with the team. And, you know, our, our team has done an exceptional job working remotely and communicating through different, you know, chat tools and and having meetings throughout the week. So that's something that I've cha- changed my mind about. And, you know, think going forward, we're still trying to figure it out. We're not back to the offices yet, but definitely have changed my mind about, you know, seeing that it can be done, you know? <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. and so it will be, it'll be interesting how we move forward with uh, the rest of the year and, and work remotely if we're going to try a hybrid approach or or just, you know, work remotely for the rest of the year. That's underdetermined still, but um, definitely nice to see that, Everyone's really done a, a, a great job at Rentals.ca. Work remotely and really, really proud of our team.
2: Excellent, Ben. Same question.
6: Yeah, I mean, uh, in terms of my my consulting work, developers are still looking at building rentals. So you know, the the site that I just uh, was working on last week, the developer had sixty seven percent of the units being studios. So we're we're not bidding against. The, the small units quite yet and I, and I believe that uh, you know I mean these developers are spending millions and millions of dollars to buy these properties and and, and plan these properties and launch these uh, these these rental buildings so if the smart money and the big money is on a return to these downtowns then uh, then you know I fundamentally believe that that, that we'll see people move back downtown you know i think they want to be close to friends they want to be close to restaurants they want to be close to all the amenities and the things that uh, that that they loved in in the time before covid there, there'll be a it'll be a little bit slower for people to you know to feel comfortable doing those things again but you know 5 years from now hopefully you know we'll we'll have forgot all about covid and and we back you know fully normal with with people desiring to be as close to, you know, amenities and, and services as they had before. I mean, in terms of my mindset, I don't think a lot has changed uh, in terms of uh, in terms of COVID. I was surprised at how quickly the the market changed. I certainly didn't expect to see condo buildings where their average rent decreased by thirty five percent year over year. I certainly never would have predicted that type of massive decline in a single year. But I guess fear of dying can make you make some pretty big decisions uh, in terms of your your housing situation. So I'm, I'm hoping things get uh, get back to normal. And you know, in terms of my forecasting, obviously that's part of what I do for Rentals.ca and part of what I do for for my my personal clients. I'm thinking we get back to, to peak, you know, fall 2019 rates by the end of 2022, and uh, I think the market is just going to shoot right back up. I think when you open the borders up, we're gonna have a lot of people that are already approved and they're already working for Canadian companies, just coming right in and and and, and renting right away. I think we've got, we'll have a log jam of people ready to come in. In Toronto, as you know, we have the highest percentage of adults living with their, with their parents. And I think if you live with your parents during a pandemic, I think this will be the time that you decide, you know what? I'm gonna push my budget. I'm gonna go out there and rent something. And, uh, and I'm gonna, you know, no more failure to launch. I'm gonna get out there and and and, and do something. So those are kind of the trends that I'm looking for, for for, you know, for the end of 2021 and into 2022.
2: Perfect,
0: Pierre. So I think Ben nailed it on the head there. Uh, you know, of course, uh, being the expert that he is, uh, developers are still building and and they're and they're still going out. And I think what they what they've learned for the rest of 2021 uh, as they go forward, it, and the same thing that's a, that society. And this is a sort of like a combo answer that I've learned is, is just the, the importance of the exterior. Like something in the data that we saw was that while we saw transit and groceries swap, on the other side of the coin, cafes, restaurants, and parks all increased about 10%, right? And and so, so people are seeing these things matter now, right? Where before, like, you know, when you're stuck at home, outside became much more important. And so you start to realize the value of that exterior, you know, of like if you can't go to work and you're stuck at home and you're stuck, like, what are you doing? Right. And I think developers are also seeing this. Developers are thinking about their community, about what they're building, about how they can impact an area, you know, because there's amenities inside the building, but it's also like, what's happening, you know, in this, in this neighborhood, that's going to be attractive to people. And I think that's, that's something that is just going to grow and like the seriousness of like, we have to think about this holistic, you know, community, you know, that we're building. And I think, uh, on like the personal front, uh, man, you know, I have children and being in pandemic with children stuck at home is rough. And I think that I have a lot more love for te- for te- that. I have any. Love- I didn't lose any. I I didn't not like teachers, but it's like oh my god, teachers are great. Schools are great. Let's make sure that we keep schools and teachers funded, and they have what they need. And let's make sure that you know we're we're thinking in a work from home culture. I think you know what, what what's developing here and like work from home. I think people also want to go into the office. I think there's a there's like like the office is not dead. Right. The office is not dead. No. I myself look forward to going to the office once a week for a change of scenery. And, you know, and also to be a little bit away from my children sometimes. Right. You know, and to get that space to like, you know, think and breathe. And so I think that, you know, things like WeWork or things like these kinds of, you know, co, you know, flex spaces and things like that are, you know, are really going to matter still. I think that people still will go to an office. I think that relationship with your office is going to change tremendously. That's what we're doing in our company. I think uh matt's point on people out of the country looking we we have employees that we've hired out of the out of the market that are waiting to 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 come here once restrictions lift like so this is all true i so i think there's a there's a huge influx of people coming to canada i think that jobs uh, are preparing themselves for this flex environment where they're going to have an office but they're also going to make it easy for their people to work from home and therefore the people who work from home are really going to think about the like outside their four walls as much as inside their four walls and i think those are the things that I see in 2021 and and beyond that are sticking.
2: I think that's a perfect point to end on. I mean, that's it. I think that's it. We've covered it all. Thank you guys for taking the time to do this. Yeah, that's it for another episode.
1: You've reached the end of another episode of Sink or Swim. Make sure to visit us at rensink.com forward slash podcast to access show notes, key takeaways, and where you can sign up to our newsletter to receive free bonus content. If you found value in this show, please also remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Thanks for listening.